Welcome to the Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma podcast, where we engage and empower educators and other community leaders to view interactions with students through a trauma-informed and resilience-focused lens. This podcast will focus on providing tools and strategies that will prepare you to realize the widespread impact of trauma, to recognize signs and symptoms of trauma and toxic stress in students, to respond by fully integrating knowledge about trauma-informed and resilience-focused practices, and to seek to actively resist re-traumatization by healing first and educating always. Let's get into the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma with me, Dr. Smith. Today, our episode is about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. And our essential question is, are the number of ACEs a person has a predictive factor for emotional, cognitive, and other health impairments? So listeners, you'll be able to answer that question as we go throughout the conversation on today. So I want to start with telling you what ACEs are or telling you about the study of adverse childhood experiences. The ACE study is the most important public health study that most people have never heard of. And so this podcast aims to change that. I want you to be able to identify um, what the study was all about and just its importance, um, especially in the field of education. In the mid-90s, Dr. Onda, who was at the CDC, and Dr. Felitti, who was at Kaiser Permanente, conducted a study of 17,500 people that revealed that high exposure to trauma and toxic stress was the cause of 7 out of 10 of the leading causes of death in the U.S. It also affects brain development, immune and hormonal systems, and then the way DNA is read and transcribed. So this exposure, and especially in high doses, triples the risk of heart disease and lung cancer, and there's a 20-year difference in life expectancy for those who haven't been exposed to this amount of um, toxic stress and trauma. And so the problem is that the American Academy of Pediatrics asserts that ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat to our nation today. That is a problem. It's unaddressed. And so because this is so important, but yet not talked about and it's not top of mind, I wanted to bring it to your attention. Why? Because it affects cognitive, emotional, and physical health. So let's dive into what um, adverse childhood experiences or ACEs actually is. Adverse childhood experiences are traumatic events that occur during childhood. So that's that zero to 17 years of age. And they have lasting negative effects on health, well-being, and opportunity. So if it does all of that, why are we not talking about it in education? Why are we only talking about the TEKS? Why are we only talking about uh, mitigating learning loss due to the pandemic? And why are we only talking about student scores and data? Why are we not focusing, focusing on something so important that it's a public health issue that hasn't been addressed? So ACEs are defined within 10 categories. So I want you who are um, the listeners, I want you to take a mental assessment. Now I'm going to call out all of the categories for ACEs and I want you to give yourself one point for each one of these things that you had experienced as a child. So between zero and 17 years of age, 
If you've experienced either of these categories, I want you to give yourself one point. And this becomes your A score. So if you had experienced physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, violence against a mother or violence against a caretaker um, at the time of your childhood, parental divorce, or meaning your parents weren't together. They weren't living together in the same household. A household member with substance use or abuse issues or a household member with mental illness. So that's depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, any of those mental illnesses. And the last one is an incarcerated household member. So these exposures literally stay in your body and change your physiology because the body keeps the score. So if you have one of these 10, give yourself one point and that is your ACE score. That is your ACE number. So ACEs, from the study, they found that they they are common across all populations. So ACEs have no zip code. They have no nationality. Any nationality, any gender, um, any zip code, any economic status, you can be exposed to an ACE or adverse childhood experience or one of those 10 things that I notated. ACEs are common across all populations. They have 67% of those in this study had at least one ACE. And then one in eight had four or more ACEs. Um, The higher your ACE score, the worse the health outcome. So that means that those with seven or more ACEs were three times more likely to have lung cancer or heart disease. All of this information came out of this study, but yet no one in education is talking about it. And that's a problem. With all of this knowledge, why are we not doing something to support children who are exposed to trauma while we have access to them, while we can change the outcome of their lives or the trajectory of their lives, especially since there's a direct correlation between ACE scores and health outcomes. We found that exposure to early adversity affects the growing brains and bodies of our children. And so we've seen that in our, in our classrooms, especially with the lack of impulse control and executive fun- functioning, which is needed for learning. All of these things are needed for learning and they're not they're not happening in our kids brains and bodies because they've been exposed to trauma. Um, to- toxic stress and trauma also affect the pleasure and reward system of the brain and that's implicated in substance abuse. So those who we have who are in high school and already abused using substances and drugs it's because they've been exposed to trauma and toxic stress and so their pleasure and reward center and their brains have been affected. And then there's the fear and response center, which is responsible for our fight or flight responses. So think back to those students who are in your class and they may feel a moment of stress, whether they've been triggered by something that's been said to them or that's happened to them, or maybe a thought has crossed their mind of something that they had been exposed to previously. And then they go into fight or flight mode, meaning they are either what we call, um, I know in the elementary sector, what we call our runners or those who run out of the classroom or those who we deem as aggressive because they turn over chairs or they rip things off of the wall or they throw things. Well, that's because their fight or flight response has been triggered by something that has reminded them of an exposure that they've had. And so if we don't understand what the student has been exposed to or their ACE score, then it's difficult for us to be able to prevent those occurrences and to also help and support them 
throughout the things that they need in the classroom. So understanding a person's A score can give you insight as to the amount of toxic stress that they have experienced. So as educators, we have to do the work of being curious, and that will allow us to identify the unmet social and emotional needs in broken circles to start the healing process. So here's what we know. We know that if a child has four or more ACEs, they are 32 times more likely to have a learning disability and behavior problems in school. So if you have these students who you had conversations with, you've built a rapport with, and you've built a relationship with them, and so then out of that, you're able to answer those 10 categories if the child has been exposed to those things. Then you're able to calculate, to mentally calculate or somewhere calculate um, the amount of ACEs that this child has. It will give you an idea of if they're, if they're more likely to have a learning disability or if they do have behavior problems in school, why they have those behavior problems. And so you have to be curious, especially when students are struggling, because as educators, we know that kids are quickly identified as ADD, having attention deficit disorder, or ADHD, saying that they're extremely hyper, um, and so they have attention deficit hyper disorder, or ODD. They don't follow directions. They refuse to follow directions. And so they have oppositional affiance disorder. But if you know about trauma and toxic stress, all of those things mirror, their symptoms mirror the symptoms of toxic stress and trauma. So the symptoms of ADD, ADHD, and ODD mirror those of toxic stress and trauma. And we say, oh, they need to be tested for ADD and they need to be medicated when in fact, those students just need more support with the toxic stress that they've been through and the trauma and less medicating. Now, I'm not against medication, so I'm not saying that students don't need to be medicated, but I am saying that there's an over-medication of some students when their issue is not ADD, ADHD, or ODD, but it's that they've been exposed to high doses of toxic stress and trauma, and no one is being curious enough to identify that and so that we can step in and instead of just medicating, giving them the tools and the strategies that they need to be able to self-regulate and to be able to identify and tap into different calming mechanisms to be able to, to eliminate or alleviate some of the stresses that they've been exposed to. If not, then we don't give them that adequate support, then the cycle continues. If we don't give, because these children with ACEs, they grow up to be adults with ACEs. And so if we don't give them the support, the cycle will continue. They'll have children who will have a high number of ACEs or be exposed to a high dose of toxic stress and trauma. And so I feel like as educators, it's our job, it's our duty to become those people who prevent and also help support and treat students who have been exposed to a high dose of toxic stress and trauma. From the study, we also found that one out of eight adults has four or more ACEs. And so when that happens, these adults are usually involved in risky behaviors because they don't have uh, coping skills, right? They don't have problem-solving skills. They don't have any affect, so they're not um, empathetic towards others or even themselves for that matter. And so that's also a direct correlation, and it, it usually stems from childhood. No one stepped in, no educator, no uh, family member stepped in and gave them the support that they needed. And so as an educator, it's important to understand that it doesn't matter which ACE a person has. So it doesn't matter which ACEs your students have. 
It just matters how many they have because the higher the number of ACEs, the higher they have to have risky behaviors, the higher they have to to have those learning disabilities and need a lot of coping mechanisms. And so the ACE scores affect the body in many, many ways. And this is an important part um, of just identifying the, the number of ACE scores that your students have. Because in stressful situations, the body produces different hormones. So it produces adrenaline and cortisol, which are the stress hormones. And these allow for a person to be in fight or flight mode. So when it's released, the body is in a heightened state of of hypervigilance. And I want you to think about, I'm going to tell the bear story that uh, Dr. Nadine Burks tells. If you were in the woods and you are approached by a bear, you're automatically going to get those stress hormones, the, the adrenaline and the cortisol. And the response is going to be a rapid heartbeat. Your eyes are going to be dilated. Your lungs are going to fill up and you're going to get the sweat in and your muscles are going to be ready for you to either fight the bear or to run from the bear. And all of those things are fine if you are in a situation where there is a bear present. But what happens if you're in a classroom, there is no bear present, but you have this stress hormones that are constantly raging through your body. and You're constantly at a heightened state of vigilance. And all of these things cause for a rapid heartbeat or high blood pressure. It causes anxiety, weight loss, excessive sweating, and heart palpitations. All of these things are happening to you, and you're merely sitting in a classroom expected to read a book. You're not in the presence of a bear. You're not about to be hit by a car or those stressful situations to where your body should respond in in that way. And that's the problem because your body's stress system goes from being adaptive during these stressful situations to maladaptive and causing harm because it continues on without the presence of a bear or without the presence of a truly stressful situation. And this causes children to be susceptible to repeated stress activation. This affects their brain development. It affects their body's development because enough cortisol or too much cortisol, too much adrenaline, causes the blood pressure to be uh, dysregulated. It causes glucose metabolism, so diabetes, um, insulin release issues, or immune function, which is extremely important, especially right now when we're being bombarded with different variants of COVID-19. And so these students who've been exposed to high doses of trauma and toxic stress, their immune systems are weakened because they're constantly in a state of hypervigilance of with these stress hormones and they're not being able to regulate themselves. And so their immune system, it suffers and they're being exposed to not only toxic stress and, and trauma, but they're also being exposed to the effects of COVID-19 and all of its different variants. And another thing is being exposed to toxic stress or, or trauma or having high ACEs causes the body to have an inflammatory response. And there are over 260 plus inflammatory diseases, cancer being one of them. And so if your body is constantly in a heightened state, if students' bodies are constantly in a heightened state and they're constantly having all of these stress hormones and inflammatory responses in their body, not only are they setting themselves up for failure academically, but they're setting themselves up for failure health-wise. And these are the things that are happening to our students, who are our kids, who are in our classrooms, and we are not talking about this. We are solely focused on 
their scores. We're solely focused on if their reading level has increased, which is all important things. Don't get me wrong. All of these things are very important to the academics of our children. But when do we heal first and educate always? We have to make sure that we've identified where this child needs the support. Where academically do they need support? Where emotionally and socially do they need the support? And we have to tap into all of those areas in order to really say that we are educating the whole child. We know our children. We know our students. We know what they need socially, emotionally, and academically. Just having a morning meeting is not going to cut it. We have to be curious as educators, and we have to dig in deep and be there to be that that buffering and nurturing relationship that these students have and able to to combat the effects of toxic stress and trauma. So we've talked about how adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, what children see, hear, witness, and are exposed to, not only affects their behavior and cognition, but also their ability to cope in certain situations well into adulthood. And then in adulthood can lead to disease. But this is still not top of mind in the education sector. And so when are we going to, to do the work? When are we going to do the work to make sure that trauma and toxic stress is top of mind in education? Uh, having ACEs, these are facts. These things are happening to our, our students, to our children, to their parents. Um, so it's a fact. But there is possibility to flourish even in the face of adversity. But if we want to produce dramatic impacts on the life outcomes for these kids who've experienced toxic stress and trauma, we have to first transform the lives of the adults that care for them. And so in order to do that, I challenge schools and I challenge school systems to have um, systems in place where we can educate parents on the impact that toxic stress and trauma has on children. That's a start because I really truly believe that if these parents understood the situations that they put their kids in and how it affects not only their lives as children and their lives academically, but it affects their lives as far as their life expectancy, as far as diseases that they, they'll be, um, um, that they'll be exposed to when they get older. I really feel like they would have a change, not only a change in heart, but they would be more vigilant and what they expose their children to. I would hope they would be more vigilant in what they they expose their children to. And so my call to action is, uh, since ACEs can negatively impact educational success, everyone who interacts with children in an academic environment, particularly educators and, and academic administrators, we must first recognize and understand ACEs. We have to understand and recognize the impact that adverse childhood experiences has on children and their futures. And then we have to be much more proactive in creating strategies that support and nurture positive learning environments for these children, for the teens, um, for the young adults, particularly those impacted by major adversity. And then furthermore, education and public health communities must work together um, much more closely and utilize principles and strategies of trauma-informed care. And so real quick, I told you about um, adverse childhood experiences, right? So the maternal depression, the emotional and sexual abuse, the substance abuse, the domestic violence possibly in the home, 
um, physical and emotional neglect, divorce, mental illness, and incarceration. Now, that's adverse childhood experiences. But if you couple that with adverse community environments, that's the pair of axes. And so that in and of itself um, gives students an even higher number of ACEs because the adverse community environments are those students who are living in poverty, who um, are affected by discrimination, who are defect or who are infected by community disruption, community violence, a lack of opportunity, um, economic mobility and social capital, poor housing quality and affordability. So they have instability in their lives because of the environments that they're, they're in. So that the coupled with ACEs is a lot for students to handle. And so in order to, for us to be able to support these students, equity is fundamental to fostering healing here. It's the link between trauma and resilience. Therefore, we must push to educate parents and the masses about the harmful impacts of ACEs and toxic stress as a prevention mechanism. And so if we get into these communities and we we educate them on the, the impacts that ACEs, the, the pair of ACEs, so adverse childhood experiences and also adverse community experience and toxic stress has, we're able to not only prevent these things from happening or prevent high number of ACEs in our students, but also to treat those who've already been exposed to them because we can give them experiences of resilience important to them experiences of connection and resilience with positive adult um, relationships and those things can make sure that their outcomes are totally different than what they could have been without our support we have to tap into those paired aces and understand these things and so before i end i want to leave you with um, my teaching through the eyes of trauma takeaways and this is what I challenge teachers and educators to use this week in your classroom, to do this week in your classroom, just to be there and to be vigilant for your students who have been exposed to high doses of ACEs or high doses of toxic stress and have a high number of adverse childhood experiences. At no fault of you as their teacher, but you can be that buffer, that that thing that helps them to not only identify the trauma that they've been exposed to, but to, to have frame a narrative around it so that they can cognitively reframe it and that their behavior becomes something that's different. Because remember, behavior is a response. If you have children in your classroom who have that sense of fight or flight all the time, so they're throwing things, they're running, they're um, impulsive, they're yelling out, and their behavior to you seems like it doesn't, it's not warranted in the environment that you're in, be curious. Try to think this student has possibly been exposed to high doses of trauma and toxic stress. So try to gain, gauge a number. Looking at the, the 10 categories that ACEs fall in, how many ACEs do your students have? How many ACEs does that student have? And what can you put into place to combat the fact that they have those ACEs? And then how can you reach out to a parent if you're in an environment where that's acceptable reach out to a parent and inform them of the impact of ACEs and get together to create a plan for them, a plan to be able to change the trajectory of their life. And so my takeaways for this podcast is number one, 
I, I really, really encourage a lot of, of students, or I'm sorry, a lot of schools and a lot of educators to do universal screening, screenings of ACEs, to have multifaceted data tracking on each child to include their ACE score along with the support that they need to interrupt the progression of toxic stress and trauma that affects their health outcomes and their academic out- outcomes. And so just like we, we track students' data from, from grade to grade as far as their scores, we need to track their A scores from grade to grade and track what what treatment works, what support that they got work to help decrease the impact of the A scores that they have. Number two, be curious. I say this all the time. By being curious, you're able to build a nurturing, buffering relationship with students. And the use of curiosity can identify the amount of of ACEs that a student has. And then it can help you to build new pathways and new memories through experiences of resilience and connection with that child to combat the things that they've been exposed to. Number three, learn how to recognize trauma flare-ups and triggers for each student. This also comes with being curious. Be Identify, okay, this is a trigger for my student. Loud noise is a trigger for my student. A raised voice is a trigger for my student. Being left alone is a trigger for my student. Be able to identify those things. I'll tell you a story about a student that we had who's who had been neglected and their A scores because of neglects were high. And whenever they would get in trouble, they would be sent to a corner or sent to another room um, as a punishment. But that's a trigger for students because if their A scores are high, especially due to neglect, that's the last thing that they need. And so as a punishment, if you will, they should be having have to sit close to the teacher. Because that gives them that connection, but also lets them know that you've done something that's not appropriate in the classroom. And so you have to sit right next to me. And so then they won't have that response of that trigger or that blowing up because they feel like they're neglected. If you identify the flare-ups, the trauma flare-ups, and identify the triggers of each one of your students, you'll be able to provide a calming space where they're not triggered. And so that's number three, learn how to recognize trauma flare-ups and triggers. Number four, provide a safe space for students. Your classroom is most likely the safest place that they're in um, in their day. And so make sure that it's calming. Make sure that there's calm music playing. Make sure that they're able to move their body. Make sure that there's, there's exercise, if you will, going on. And make sure that they're given experiences of resilience to be able to tap into that dopamine that will counteract the adrenaline and the cortisol stress hormones that are running through their bodies. And then help them to identify self-soothing behaviors such as mindfulness and tapping to help to relieve their stress. All of these things are things that you can incorporate into your classroom this week incorporate into your classroom this year to go ahead and combat the impact that adverse childhood experiences and toxic stress is having on children. And last but not least, heal first and educate always. I will always end with that because we must, we must, we must provide um, opportunities and provide space for our students to heal in order to educate them. They will not be able to learn from us 
if we don't first tap into ways to heal them or tap into strategies and tools to heal them and to show them that we are concerned about them. We want them to heal and we also want them to learn. And so I leave you with making sure that you heal first and educate always to get these students through the adverse childhood experiences that they've been exposed to. Thank you so much for joining me today um, for this episode of Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma. Make sure that you continue to like, to share these episodes, um, and, and let your educator friends know that here we are making sure that we are able to identify the things that students need, that we're able to teach through the eyes of trauma, and that we're able to be there to make sure that our students' lives are a lot better to make sure that we change the trajectory of their life. Please join us next week. Thank you so much for listening.